0: Hey, everyone. Steve here. Have you ever had that experience where you meet someone for the very first time and within five minutes you feel like you've known them since you were five years old? Well, that's how I felt when I met Linda Ulrich, a dentist who lives in St. Albans, a town just north of us here in Vermont. It turns out we had a lot of common interests and we chatted for a long time during a conference that we both attended. But wait a minute, the story gets a little better than that. Linda and I just knew that my wife, Sabina, and her husband, Chuck, absolutely had to be part of the conversation. So the four of us met at a restaurant in St. Albans, and the dinner was one of those magical evenings that happens once or twice in a lifetime, if you're lucky. We sat there for the better part of three hours, talking over each other, all talking at the same time, laughing, never once running out of things to say. It was magical, like I said. It turns out, though, that there's a lot more to Linda than being a dentist. She's the founder of an online site called Everwidening Circles. Check it out, please, at everwideningcircles.com. It has a similar mission to my own podcast, to present an alternate view of the world that shows that there's a lot of good out there, which you can find if you choose to go look for it. She calls the site a museum of the human experience. Today, this conspiracy of goodness, as she calls it, publishes articles and interviews, all of them telling a story about the amazing world that surrounds us. As I said, I recently had the opportunity to get together with Linda, and I interviewed her for the Natural Curiosity Project. Now, full disclosure, she interviewed me for Ever Widening Circles, and I kind of piggybacked on her interview. And I present it right here. She's an amazing woman with amazing skills and an amazing family. You should read about them at her dental practices website, FiddleheadDental.com. She has an outlook on the world that is somehow both practical and inspiring, if that's even possible. Here's the interview. So this is Steve Shepard. I'm here with Linda Ulrich of Ever Widening Circles and I have a question for you. I'm sorry, you're a dentist and yet you do this ever widening circles thing. So does that mean you're a recovering dentist? I mean, wh- how does this fit together? How in the world did you go from being a dentist with your husband to this amazing podcast, this amazing online service that, uh, that I personally enjoy very much and that I think the world needs to know more about? Tell us the story.
1: Yes, so um, Steve, thanks for chatting with me today. I, I never tire of telling the story, mostly because I want other people to realize that they can have a crazy idea and it can actually become something that's useful to others and helpful in making the world a better place, whatever that idea might be. Uh, so my story starts with me being a dentist, as you as you um as you noted, I was a dentist. I am a dentist still. Um, I've been a dentist for about 25 years. I grew up in a little small farming town in Illinois with my husband. We were childhood sweethearts. And, um, we became dentists because we thought we could see what was going to happen in healthcare. My dad was a physician and he could see what was going to happen in healthcare in the way of getting five minutes with your doctor. Everybody's a in number. Insurance companies running the show. And, um, my dad said, you know, the neighbor next door was a great dentist and lovely guy who control his his own relationships with his patients still and love that part of it so that's how I became a dentist and then how I became uh someone in the digital publishing world is kind of an offshoot of the humanity that I discovered by being a dentist for 25 years who really cared about people because I always say in my dental practice um uh below the current ever widening circles office um we're not fixing teeth down there we're trying to keep the humanity in medical care what's gone on is in our in our rush to sort of make medical care profitable and that's part of the problem is that it's traded on the new york stock exchange Um, we've forgotten that there's a human being is the is the doctor and there's the human being that is the patient and that service to others is what most people who are who are doctors of any kind are after. They, they just truly believe in the service of others. It's because I practiced dentistry for 25 years that real commitment to listening and to loving people, like my patients have given me far more than I could ever have given them in the way of insight and wonder and, um, you know, a sense of connection. I get hugs and we cry some days with people. And knowing people that well, that's a very long way of telling you that knowing people that well allowed me to see that I wasn't the only one in 2014 starting to have great pain about the direction that the world was going at least as we saw it on the news In 2014 we never dreamed we'd be where we are now with the news think about that no one no one knew any of the things we are dealing with in the news every day now but in 2014 it was coming and this is what happened to me I went from being a dentist to a digital publisher this way so I had been an artist all my life I had written a lot all my life I'd been fortunate to travel the world with my children to very very great backwaters all my life so I knew about the world and then one day at six twenty-three, my clock radio alarm went off just like it had for 20 years only that morning the news was telling the first story about of the day about a beheading what what I'm not sure if there had been some sort of well-meaning conspiracy not to talk about the beheadings that were starting to make the news back in early 2014, not to talk about that early in the morning because nobody needs to start their day that way. But that's what happened to me. And uh, my instant response was just to dive for the clock radio to turn it off and then sit on the edge of my bed and I said, for God's sakes, and I mean that in a -A G-A-U-D, for God's sakes, there's got to be... A better way. There's got to be a way to learn about insight and, and innovation and good things happening in the world because that's why I tune into the news. I don't know about you, but I tune into the news to learn about all the potential in the world as much as be realistic about the outliers who are doing crazy things. So I sat there in the other bed, Ezra bed, and I said, "There's got to be a place where I can get." News of insight and innovation happening in the creative world and, and technology and science and sports and the natural world. There's got to be a place on the internet I can find this and I cannot have my clock radio start my day like this ever again because I didn't want to turn off the news. Here's the thing. I'm very, very cognizant of this response that most of us are having is that when I talk to people about what we do at Everwinding Circles, which is essentially we curate the web for all the goodness and possibility that's out there, Uh, at that point, there was literally nothing on the internet like that. You could, you could find good news websites, but a hundred percent of them were covered with bizarre advertising. And you know, you get to read four sentences and then you get a pop-up, or they were filled with political bias. There's good news far to the left, there's good news far to the right, there's, you could not find any place on the web that had no politics and no commercial agenda. I did a big search because that, that was really my gut reaction to that morning waking up that way. I just said I've got to find some place to be, to be to be a growing, knowledgeable person and not be subjected to this sort of thing. And literally there was nothing there. And I am also the kind of person that would just say, well, <laughs> if it's not there, I I do a little writing. I, I do some photography. I, I do some science. And no, I'm an artist. Maybe I got what it takes to just... Start it. So that's actually how a dentist becomes a digital publisher, is that you know people, you know people are hurting, because that was a big part of the equation. I had started to notice my patients were becoming overwhelmed by this constant negative dialogue about possibility in the future. They were, they were more downtrodden than I ever remembered. People I'd known for 20 years were not upbeat and funny anymore. Um, so when I, when all these things came together, my response was to start a blog where I would write one article a day on anything under the sun to prove it's still an amazing world that was my thesis January 14th of 2014 and that's still pretty much our thesis five years later with everwindingcircles.com is to demonstrate that yes we do need to know about all these outliers who are doing crazy things in the world and we're kind of the rest of the story. We're the part of the story that, that isn't getting very much play.
0: One of the things I like about Ever-Widening Circles is that, to your point, it's not just it's not just unicorns and rainbows. Right. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into making good things happen, just as there's a lot of work going into making bad things happen. But one of the things you highlight is the, is the realistic nature of... of the theme at hand that, yeah, there's some really good things happening, but don't lose sight of the incredible amount of work that went into making this occur.
1: Right, right. And that's essentially, I'm so glad you said that, because that's exactly what we are pointing to. Like, we don't point to ourselves. We are pointing people to others who we have found on the internet that are doing amazing things, that are making the world a better place, whether they're artists or scientists or YouTubers or Politicians or uh, people doing fantastic motivational talk. We're pointing people to those places on the Internet because most of them are getting completely lost in the chaos there. So I'm trying to do exactly what you just said. I'm trying to support anything that's helpful, trustworthy, creative, whether it's finding the ninth planet or telling us about the magic of sea slugs. And I know that's where you and I have so much in common, is that we have a love for the natural world. And um, I think that pretty much almost all of what's good in this world comes from the natural world, because that's where we come from. That's exactly right. Um,
0: We talk a lot about journalism and the importance of journalism. I mean, I personally believe that that is the number one most important thing that is enshrined in the Constitution and all of the the founding documents of this country. the protection of the press is, is of utmost importance. And one of my favorite journalists over the years is this wonderful guy. He was a TV journalist named Charles Kuralt who did oh, On the yeah. Road, right? Oh, my gosh. And as much as he turned out to be a nutcase because we found out after he died that he actually had two families, one in the West Coast, one in the East Coast, simultaneously, yeah, he was married <laughs> to two different people and had kids all over the I mean, yeah. whatever. He had this amazing outlook on life, and I'd, and I'd love for you to comment on this in the, in the, the, uh, the sort of the... Um, Light of what you're doing with ever widening circles. He wrote a bunch of books and one of his, in one of his books, he was asked by someone, what is your job? Because he had the perfect job. I mean, if you could have this guy's job, you would pay, you'd pay to do his job. CBS said to him, here's a giant tour bus. Here's a camera crew. Just drive around the country and find cool stories to report. And he spent his entire career doing that. So someone asked him, what is your job? How do you define it? And he chuckled, and he said this amazing thing that has never left me. He said, my job is to find extraordinary things in ordinary people. That, to me, captured the essence of really what makes this world go around. And it seems to me that that's a lot of what you're doing with Ever Widening Circles.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I always say that one of my goals is to raise the average knowledge level up of the ordinary person. And here's the clincher. The ordinary person is all of us. Outside of our expertise, we all put our pants on the same way in the morning. We you know, I, I've I've talked to I've been fortunate to talk to a lot of people who are doing extraordinary things in the world. And we all still have to go to Thanksgiving with our uncle Tom, who we who we have a difficult time talking to, or we all share pretty much the same problems. So that's really, really important to me, is that we are We are finding those extraordinary things in each other, and that's back to the dentist aspect of this. That's what my patients, I'm so glad you landed there, because you've made me think about it just a little bit different. I always say that my patients have given me more wisdom and uh, and help than I could ever give them. But that's why. Because I... I was tuned in to always to find the extraordinary things in ordinary people. And that's what gave me great pain and caused me to start ever winding circles. And really, we've been through quite a long slog. (laughs) I mean, to get where we are, it's not been all unicorns and rainbows either. Um, And I've persevered because of the inspiration of my patients, the ordinary person in each one of us that is looking at our current negative dialogue with a lot of deep sadness sometimes internally and yet after a thousand articles we've discovered that there doesn't need to be the sadness there are so many things happening in the world and so many ordinary people who found a way to do an end run around problems it's absolutely incredible I mean we've published over 1300 articles we take them down once in a while so we've taken about 300 down because I've been doing this for five years so we we replace them with new things Um, Or those people go on to do exciting things that we write about. But we have done so much now that I have this extraordinary view of possibility that just we're going to get through this stage. We are. This is what human beings have done for hundreds of thousands of years. We left it to the ingenious ones and the generous ones and the ones that were willing to do a little self-sacrifice. And they carried the day over and over and over again so that 's and those were all ordinary people. No one starts out extraordinary they 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 think their way into being thought leaders. I like that
0: i I 'd like to kind of wrap this up by telling you a story that that is really meaningful to me, and it ties in exactly with what you were just talking about. I travel a lot in my job i mean there for a period there, I was averaging anywhere from fifty to seventy countries a year, and it was just I was living on airplanes which was ridiculous, but I was all over the world, I was in Africa and
1: Asia and Latin America, and Southeast Asia, and so on. Can you see I'm turning green over here with (laughs) envy, envy, envy on my end of the table?
0: The problem is that most of the time was on airplanes, not on on the ground. (laughs) Well, along the way, uh, I fell in love with travel essay. I I discovered an author that has proven to be my top number one most read author, a guy named William Least Heat Moon, who wrote a book called Blue Highways about driving around the United States many years ago. Just a wonderful guy. And that led me to other authors, and I now have a collection of probably five or 600 travel essay books. And one of the people I ran across, I I actually found it on the remainder shelf at Barnes & Noble, is a book called World Walk, written by a guy named Stephen Newman. So Stephen Newman was a journalist in a small town in Ohio, and he was just starting out in his career. And his job, among other things, was to go to the printers every morning and tear off the stories from Associated Press and United Press and so on, so that they could then be retyped into the newspaper. And after doing this for a few months, he came to this realization that based on what he was reading from these stories he was pulling down, That the world had become a really awful place he wrote this book back in the late 80s the world had become a really awful place sort of dominated by despots and evil selfish people but in his heart of hearts he didn't believe it so he decided to go find out for himself he had five thousand dollars he quit his job and he left and he took a five-year excursion during which he walked around the world hence the name of the book world walk now obviously he couldn't walk across oceans but He literally took five years, and he went completely around the world, and he came back with this absolute committed belief that the world is in fact a wonderful, wonderful place. Yeah, there are a few jerks here and there, but by and large, people are really wonderful, and I'll give you the best example. His first stop was London, and he had to stay there for a few days because he was waiting for some camping equipment to arrive that he would need for his trek. He was sitting on a park bench, having arrived early that morning in Hyde Park, and he's already questioning what am I doing What have I done? I mean, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had in my life. This little old lady sat down next to him on the bench, and I think she was feeding the pigeons or whatever. They start talking, and he explains to her what he's doing, and she says, "Well, you know um I'm a widow. I live alone in a big old rambling house. If you'd be willing to do a little work around my house, I'd be glad to give you room and board." until your stuff comes and you have to leave and so he stayed with her for a couple of weeks and he did all kinds of work and they became really good friends that happened everywhere he went in fact um, he left with $5,000 he came home with just over $4,000 after five years he didn't have to pay for anything toward the end of his journey he's five years later he's walking across Australia and he's walking from the top of Australia to the bottom He's a couple of hundred kilometers south of Irish Rock, south of Uluru, in the middle of the Red Desert. There is nothing there. As a friend of mine likes to say, it's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. He's just walking along, and here comes his pickup truck with two guys in it. <laughs> and, of course, they do this big kind of loop around him, looking out the window like, what are you doing? And they come back to him, and they say, would you like a ride and he goes sure i'd love a ride so he throws his stuff in the back and hops in so the three of them are wedged into this little toyota truck they haven't introduced each other they're just driving and he says what are you doing and he said i'm i'm trekking around the world i'm taking a trip and this they, they drive for a little bit longer and then the driver says to him you're stephen newman aren't you now, he's a journalist. He's written a lot of articles along the way, and he's posted all these articles. And he goes, yeah, I, I, that's exactly how. How did you know that? And the guy got this big smile on his face, and he said, you stayed with my mother in London.
1: Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Whoa.
0: Now, these two guys were opal miners on their way to Cooper Pedy, the opal fields in southern Australia. And the guy he says he described he said the guy gave him an opal the size of a golf ball to give to his own mother when he got home from his trip <laughs> right so my point is oh, that that even in times of perceived awfulness there's some pretty cool things going on and i think that book oh, is a it's a testament it's a testament and i and i think it speaks to a lot of what uh, a lot of what you're what you're doing
1: yeah i just had a patient in yesterday um quick story and she is very discouraged um Steve and I just had a talk about generational differences. She's probably 10 years older than I am, and she came from that generation you talked about that did protesting the the physical way, <laughs> and and she's very discouraged about the state of the world, and she hadn't heard that I do ever winding circles, so I gave her a reference and a card and told her to go home, and I thought it would make her feel lots better. I've known this late woman, wonderful woman, for 25 years. And as I was trying to just make a case for all that's going on in the world, the guy who's discovered how to save the rainforest with cell phones and this new technology that they've got to hook up people's brains to their paralyzed limbs. And I could just go on and on and on here. Um, She still remained in disbelief. It didn't matter how long I had to talk to her. (laughs) And and then I had to go on to my next patient. (laughs) I gave her, I gave it my all. She was still very sad. And um, I think it's a learned thing. Just like we learned to be discouraged about the world, we're going to have to learn to be encouraged about people again. So I don't think it's going to take one visit to our writing circles or one visit to a David Attenborough documentary, who you and I both love, or what have you. I think it's going to be it's got to become a habit to look for possibility. What's happening now is we are giving our attention to social media. We are giving our attention to the bad, the, you know, the bad news. We are giving our attention to a lot of things it just out of habit and we're not really looking. There's this word that everybody loves mindfulness these days. And to me, that's just a little bit out there for me. But what I just look at it as intention, if we've got, good intentions. If we go back to some really good old fashioned things that have stood the test of time throughout history, trustworthiness, good intentions, neighborliness, curiosity, curiosity. If we go back to some really baseline stuff, I love disruption. I love thinking outside the box. I love all these new things in culture that are pushing us to our edges. But right now, I don't know if we need to be on our edges. We need to know more about the people who are willing to be out there doing good, helpful things towards progress. And it's going to have to become a habit of people to look for those things. And so I guess I, I can't quit. <laughs> I guess I just got to keep doing it. I got to keep producing. We do, we print, uh, we uh, publish an article every other day because we polish them so carefully. Um, and uh, I just want to be a part of how, where people look for possibility. And I, your wonderful podcast and so many of, the the thoughts that you and I are going to probably collaborate on the future are going to be part of that dialogue. just got to change negative dialogue.
0: Linda Ulrich, Ever Widening Circles. Where do people go to find you?
1: Well, we are at everwideningcircles.com on the Internet. And uh, we also have a new um, project called EWC Ed, which is Ever Widening Circles in Education. So if you're a teacher, student, homeschooler, you're in charge of an after-school program, you've got a smart kid, Eat everwidening circles ed, EWC ed is where you want to look for things for young people and for yourself. You want to have a spring in your day, spring in your steps, start the day or end the day with an Ever Widening Circles article, and we'll we'll gradually bring you into this circle of possibility. Thank you, Linda. Okay.
0: Linda Ulrich from Everwidening Circles. Thanks, Linda. If you haven't already please visit her site, everwideningcircles.com, and read a few of the articles that you'll find there. Her little team of writers and researchers, including her daughter Liesel, work hard, and they deserve a much bigger audience than they have. In spite of what you may hear and read in the world out there, there's a lot of good news, and Everwidening Circles is a great place to find it. I'm Steve Shepard for The Natural Curiosity Project. Thanks for listening.